Now they take the video game out for a test drive. Do the characters move the way they're intended? Do they go where they're supposed to? Or do they run into trees and walk through walls? This is the development team's last chance to rid the game of any bugs. After that, the company can finally market this video game and hope it becomes a hit. And welcome back to the Fudidashi Podcast. I am Nicholas. We are here with Lauren, and we are also here with returning champion, two-time star forward Masao Kobayashi. How are you doing, Masao? Hello. Thank you for having me back. It's uh, it's good to be back. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for coming back. <laughs> no, it was it was it was a lot of fun last time. So I'm I'm glad to I'm glad to be back and actually talk about making video games instead of just like I don't know. <laughs> Talked a lot about. I think kind of tangential subjects or so yeah no we we finally wanted to actually have it since well specifically you what i think is really interesting about having you on is that you worked so long in the AAA space and then decided decided to do the sort of like smaller indie slash like friends studio yes so that's that's a term i'm inventing now the friends the friends studio <laughs> I, I think it's definitely a thing yeah like we've all known each other i mean the the person i've known the least amount of time i've known for three or four years yeah. but everybody else like i've known for over 10 years so and so the other reason why i thought it was important to have you on even again not just because you <laughs> you sort of nudged, nudged us on twitter but also because like so i tend to sort of constantly put forward this argument that a lot of what you see in terms of video game design and video game production is largely determined by sort of like the scale of how it's being produced. So like lone devs tend to produce certain types of things, like small teams tend to produce certain types of things, AAA games tend to be certain types of things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I have a feeling like you are the ideal person to push back against that. And I feel like that's an argument that needs to be made. So like for you, how do you see like your previous situation being different in terms of sort of like the creative output from what you're doing now? And also just talk a little bit about, you know, what Cut to Bits is working on. Um, so I can't really talk too much about what we're working on specifically okay, yeah, because we're unannounced, but um Yeah, I, was I think gonna say, I think... like don't say anything that you can't say. Yeah, yeah say obviously. things that you can say. Like, <laughs> welcome to games. That's the yeah. first rule of video games. We'll Violate every NDA you've ever signed, please. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I think there is some truth to like smaller teams making different types of games than larger teams for sure. I mean, there's, I mean, there's the practical like, you know, like you're not going to make an open world MMO with four people. True. Yeah. Just, just it's just not physically possible. Uh, and then there's also the fact that like, so the bigger the game, like the 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 more. 
I mean, not always, because there are smaller teams that are more calculated in terms of what segment they're going to and kind of look at it more like a, you know, like, you know, tr trying to find a niche for their product rather yeah. than like trying to, you know, make something that means something to them. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's, especially more in the mobile market, you do see smaller teams that are just trying to kind of like figure out how to make a buck. Yeah. Not that that's a bad thing. I, I'm, I'm a, I consider myself a business person and, you know, like the primary responsibility of a studio is to maintain itself, you know, yeah, like exactly, you do have yeah. to, you do have to like continue to pay people. So, um, uh, but yeah, that, um, that being said, like, Obviously, I think a solo dev is going to be, I think, most poignant in terms of like, I think it's 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 a question of like trying to get consensus. Yeah. You know, one person doesn't have to argue with anybody to put anything in the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, five people, it's going to be much easier to like kind of come to a like an agreement in terms of what they want to do. And then like 500 people like, well, it's at that point, it's not. So do you feel that like the creative process is kind of directly influenced by that team size? So for example, you had talked about reaching consensus, which is super important when we work in games, like making sure everyone's on the same page. But is a solo developer able to be more poignant because they're consensus with themselves? Or can like a larger studio, like let's say 50, right? Can 50 people not be poignant? Like can they not create something that is very right challenging and and different i think it can be poignant but i like when it, when you see examples of things that solo devs have done like um i think time spinners is a really good example of this uh i'm not sure if they're like straight up solo dev but i think majority of the game was done by pretty much one person and it's a metroidvania that's like time travel -y. So that's kind of like the wrapper of the game. But like when you dig into the narrative, like there's a lot of stuff about like um like queer relationships and yeah. pan relationships. Yeah. yeah. Like that wouldn't have made it into a like a triple A version of whatever that would look like because like it yeah. has almost nothing to do with like the the product wrapper, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um like um because like and I think that was something that was personally important to them and they put it into that into the, into that game. But like you're not going to see that level of like, okay, like pretty much everything that is flavor text is going to be like dedicated to like something specific in, yeah. in a, like a triple like A environment. Because, title. Yeah. Because you're just not going to see that like upper management's going to be like, why, why are we doing this? And like, <laughs> and you know, like but if even if part of your if, studio culture, right. I to guess be like inserting personal memories or things that are very personal to you inside of the game and the studio culture was that and you'd have the studio execs i guess maybe there would be a few that would be like well why are we doing this but do you think that it is possible i guess to kind of change from within the system uh you cut out for a second but yeah. i think i think it is i think it is possible um i think it's just less likely you know like i and i think there's a difference between and there's there's a difference between like diversity of opinion and like perspective and i think even bigger studios are kind of you know getting the message that they need to have like more diverse characters and diverse stories in their in their games but like i think the difference here is that like it's a very singular um perspective that is like that takes quite a bit of like um you know, real estate within the game. And I, I and I'm, 
it's not a good or bad thing. It's just like that's that's just a specific. And the reason I bring it up is because like people talk about it in that game. Like it, I it's just um, yeah. I think I think that that kind of game and that kind of like this is important to me, so I'm gonna talk about it in this game that may or may not have like direct relations to like what I'm talking about. Like because it's one thing when you have like a you know like a visual novel that's like a pan queer visual novel. I have no idea what you're talking about. Not, I my, one of my favorite games is not a... <laughs> <laughs> like it makes no, yeah. like yeah yeah. So that kind of game, like the systems and the genre and like the the content line in line line up with each other. Yeah yeah. And and that's the reason I bring up like time spinners because like I've actually yeah. never played time spinners, so like that's why I'm uh, yeah. I was always curious. I'm always about pushing, you know, it's good. Actually, yeah. it's um I I enjoyed it. Uh um it's it's a very solid Metrovania, but it's 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 curious. I mean, I'm I don't and I don't really want to sound condescending. I think it's great, like, you know, that somebody had like a perspective and they really wanted to like, you know, push it. And I think that's kind of the beauty of like a solo dev. Like you could just be like, well, this is what I want to do, I'm just gonna do it. You know, and I think like that kind of thing gets like you get less of less of that the larger the team is because like in many ways you have to justify like how is this making the game better and i guess like if you're a solo dev you don't have to you can just be like i just want to do it well yeah i mean and, and i think that's really the important point is that there's sort of less justification that has to take place and sort of like as things scale like the degree of justification also scales along with it such mm -hmm. that you know, when you're when you're talking about, say, like, you know, a massive like AAA studio or mainstream studio, you're not only having to like justify things to like others on your team, but you're also having to like justify things between teams because it also means that you're going to be like creating work for, say, like art yeah. or, yeah, or, you know, corporate combat, you know, so that the, there are always these problems that you run into because it's like you don't not just it's not just about consensus, but like you need consensus precisely because you're going to have to get someone else on board with doing that work as well and be as invested in it as you are. Whereas if you're like, you know, a Toby Fox, you can just do whatever, even if it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. Like you, you can stick whatever in you don't and sort of the lack of justification is then. So now here's an interesting thing. Thinking about the distinction, not necessarily between, say, like, quote unquote, indie and AAA studios, but thinking about the difference between, say, like, small teams and loan devs, because in the case of loan devs, the, the production process and the intention, like, it's a perfect match. Like, there is there is no distinction to be made, but it is yep. at the point where you start to have to work with a team at all. Like, that's where it starts to diverge. And so I was wondering about your thoughts in, like... <laughs> I guess you could say like within indie territory rather than sort of like, you know, between these sort of like monolithic massive game companies and sort of like anywhere between sort of like, you know, five and 50 people in a studio. So I'm a producer in the indie and in the indie space, especially for a smaller studio, like right now we're, we have a, um, six uh, full-time developers on our game, including myself. So like that's pretty unusual in terms of like, a dedicated producer for a team that size. Yeah. And um, as such, I'm very aware of what I do. <laughs> um, and what's interesting that even in our size studio, um, and partly because of like COVID, we're, we're all, we're a fully remote studio right now. Um, initially we were not, 
most of us uh, do not come from a remote background. Well, actually, none of us come from a remote background. We're all used to like working in a giant studio in person. Um, and there, like, even within the size of our studio, like, we still kind of have like divergence in terms of priority or like ideas. Because the thing is, like, when you have a team, you have to, like, say, like, this is what I want to do. And let's say, like, our team is pretty unique in a sense that, like, we have almost no divergence in terms of, like, the like game vision. Um, our creative director basically came up with the, the pro concept of the game and said, like, this is what I want to do. And everyone just said, okay, let's do it. And there has never really been any real pushbacks. Um in the vision um obviously implementation we have kind of back and forth because like you can only do what you can do yeah so but like so even even within the context of like everybody wants to like everybody's running towards this like one 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 vision one like idea for a game um we still have kind of like differentiating <laughs> like we we kind of still have to kind of bring everybody back and kind of regroup yeah so you for know like before we get too far into the the weeds of it, I actually do want to take a little bit step back onto the balcony here. And for any of our new listeners that are just coming into the podcast on this episode, or maybe our listeners that are just realizing what video game development is today, could you actually explain a little bit of your role as oh, well? Okay. And sure. then actually get into like that day to day? Because I know kind of what you're talking about. And Nicholas kind of knows what yeah. you're alluding to. But let's just plainly state it okay. for any viewers so, out there. So I'm a producer. Um, uh and there's various kind of types of jobs that in the in my family of jobs, uh, and the broader context is kind of product product uh, project management. Um, my job is to basically so in terms of how do how do video games make, get made? Like basically, video games start as a pitch, right? Like who? Well, I mean, this can take different forms, but typically, like. Initially, you have an idea like uh, I want to make a like, I don't know, a fighting game with about monkeys and it's going to be a cartoon style. And then so that's the idea. Right. And then you 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 get you put a team, uh, bring a team together a uh, person. Let's say the person coming up with the idea was a designer. So he's a game designer. And then. Uh, that person is going to find an artist uh, and a programmer and uh, a various mem members of the team to kind of bring together to do work on different parts of the of the game. So you need a programmer that's going to like uh, code all the systems. You need an artist and uh, animator and VFX artist or however many artists that you need uh, to you know put visuals to the to the systems that the the game designer and the programmers. Uh, make together so the designer says like uh we'll say things like oh okay well i want to have like a big strong monkey that's slow and then uh like a skinny uh skinny monkey that's really fast so and then the programmer says like okay well i can make these features and i can make these variables that allow us to have like a strong big monkey and a like a fast skinny monkey and then like the artist would like you know, model the monkeys. And then, and then, so my job is to make sure that everybody is talking to each other. We have a plan 
and that uh, everything is prioritized, and uh, we we have uh, we have a timeline, uh, basically. In terms of like the crucial things that um, uh, project management people do is uh, first um, identify all the features that need to be done. So okay, like. In order to ship this game, we uh, I sit everybody down and say, like, we need to have these 15 features. These 15 features are absolutely necessary for the game. These five features are cool, but, like, we don't necessarily have to have them. And then there's five features that would be, like, if we ever have the time, that's nice. But, like, we're definitely, we're probably never going to get to that. And so... And then, and then we say, like, oh, of this 15, 15 features, we're going to do in the order of A, B, C, D, E, F, G, A. And you would say that's probably the same between right your AAA and like the indie experience. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's just a question of scale. Like video games are generally made in similar fashion. I mean there are games that are not made like that, but those are more the like the like exception rather than the than the rule. Like most games start with an idea, that idea gets communicated to everyone, gets broken down into tasks, and then uh, delivered uh, incrementally. So that's uh, my job is to kind of facilitate that process, um, you know, and kind of introduce uh, processes. So like, how do you get like, so let's say you, somebody has like a PowerPoint document or a Word document or whatever, and they're like, this is the game I want to make. Taking that and then making that into like, okay, so, um, you know, let's say the programmer is named Sarah, like Sarah, I need you to do A, B, and C. Like getting getting that the going from the word document to giving task for Sarah a, the ABC task for Sarah that's my job basically. Yeah, and I think it's important because like a lot of people when they think of like game design or game development they tend to focus on things like art or they tend to think on like people who design combat mechanics or level design or things like that. Whereas in many ways. It's, it's unfortunate that what you do is often like invisible in the design process, but also <laughs> crucial. And so, so it's sort of weird. Like it's both fundamental and at the same time, if it works well, no one really realizes that you did. Yeah. It. And it's also very nebulous yeah. um, because like, so there are, and especially on smaller teams, there are projects that don't have a distinct producer. Yeah. And, um, and that can work in smaller teams uh, because somebody is essentially doing that job pretty well. Like, and and it really kind of depends on the like the like the preference and the temperament of uh, the designer. <laughs> I think um, more than anything, because like the I think the person that like naturally, it's generally a like a programmer or a produce uh, a designer that. Uh, that kind of blends well to being a producer as well, and the and it's it's because like so like uh, so there's some uh, di there's different kinds of processes for making video games. Um, one of the one of the predominant ways is agile, and one of the things that they talk about is uh, user stories. So they say things like, "Okay, I I want this to happen," so like. In that case, that would have been like the, you know, like the, the, the big monkey that's strong. So that that's a user story. Um, and 
being able to take that user story and break it down into like effective uh assignable tasks that are um that are that are scoped and uh and scoping is to say how big that task is like this is going to take six days or this is going to take six weeks or whatever um so yeah like I'm sorry. This is super crunchy. <laughs> Am I losing? I I don't know. I, no, no, I no. I was in, the, uh, no, I intention, think... intention to like explain this, so I was, <laughs> I was kind of doing it off the cuff. But um... no, I definitely agree that like for me, when Nicholas talks about production being like the invisible kind of like rope that ties everyone together, I really feel that for me, I see that rope very clearly in my work because I work very well with constraints, and I have to know that the rope exists. Because if I don't, I will be that designer that suddenly makes a feature that's going to create a ton of downstream work just because I'm like really passionate about it or I'm really excited, right? And if anything, something that came up a couple weeks ago was someone like seeing something I'd done and going, oh man, that's like really cool. We need to do less of it uh, because... <laughs> we're never going to ship. Yeah. yeah, we're never going to ship. That's not going to happen. Um, but... I mean, it's it's funny because it's not just about the um, it's not just about what the work that a designer does. Like they talk about how a design's job is to make work for everybody else. Yeah, and I, I think you that, want designers to do less. Yeah, generally. you want generally. <laughs> <laughs> producers like no, no, no designers stop so, doing so the for work. Our, for all our babby developers out there who are first getting into the games industry, what we really want to impress upon you is that you should be doing less. Stop working. <laughs> just stop. Stop. You know. Just stop crunching. Don't stop crunching. Just don't. Just stop, just don't. Just don't work. Just, Go watch oh, a movie. Only designers though. Like everybody else needs to work more. Like, Everyone else. <laughs> programmers need to work more. Artists need to work more. Animators need to work more. But like designers work less. Please, like. And you heard it here, folks, from Masao Kobayashi, the production head of <laughs> that. Uh, designers, you can uh, take a day off. Everyone else, uh, get your act together. Uh, um, no, that's that's hilarious. I, I mean, it's it's kind yeah, of a joke because true. there there is um the, and there's the, and the funny thing is not that not that everything a designer does produces more work. A lot of times, like the like there is actually quite a bit of work that designers need to do. Um, and it's the part of the work that they generally don't like to do. <laughs> yeah, I hope I was like I so, hope so, but also like yeah, we hate that. <laughs> um, so this is like basically kind of like uh, the the feature list and the the kind of the dropping everything into some kind of a, a, a variable because like you know video games are software, so the only thing you can really do uh, in video games is like you or in software is that you can just have variables like you can everything ultimately needs to be like either on or off or like one to ten like those are the only two things that you can really have yeah uh, as a tool no it's all designer. about those it's all those knobs to turn right yeah. so it's all about the things that require like look i need it you can even go negative in some cases right yeah. like if you need a negative to like a positive right number or you need a percentage you need a weight here you need this other knob here how many numbers are you going to turn and in some cases though it's possible to have too many variables right oh for sure because then like you're just you know turning like the nuclear power plant like as homer simpson and you're like eeny meeny miny mo which one of these is going to make the game feel great yeah <laughs> right and i think it's just and everything needs to be at the it's kind of like a you're like at a soundboard yeah and everything yeah. needs to be at the right level 
because you, you want... like and then you move one thing and it's like everything sounds like awful like can you, you know, imagine like... a soundboard but like stream deck but for game design it's like this is flight this is jump height this is the axis yeah, this that's... is fall off distance but that's part of the problem it is... does happen like you, you, happens, do, you do get like tool you do get like a you know like a debug like menu where it's like you have a bunch of sliders and like pull down menus oh but, no yeah, yeah but then also from like the human perspective i mean if we're going to use the soundboard analogy then like you know if you're eqing something then like every frequency though is like an individual person and you have to like get that person to turn their knob uh, no, no, I, okay so <laughs> okay then no, explain the metaphor no, a this bit the, the meta i'm going to explain the metaphor a little bit more okay so what right. i was referring to is like more kind of like going from design to design to like feature oh okay, okay. so all right um uh, so, like, for example, like, uh, going back to the, the monkey fighting game. Um, uh, I really like this monkey fighting game, by the way. Yeah. I'm very excited uh, for, like, it, banana I, whiplash. We're, we're definitely <laughs> banana whiplash, great. Prime, banana prime, whiplash. Yeah. Primate instincts. Um, so, like, <laughs> one, DLC. you know, one lever could be, like, the size of the monkey. So you yeah, can okay. have, like, big monkey and small monkey, and maybe okay. that's a scale of 10. Yeah. And 10 is the biggest monkey and one is the smallest monkey. And okay. then the programmer says like, okay, well, this is the, the smallest viable monkey that we can have that without breaking the game and 10 would be the biggest monkey okay. that you yeah. can have without breaking the game. Yeah. So that would be like one lever. Another lever would be like the speed of the monkey, right? So the like fast would be a very fast monkey. Like 10 would be the fast monkey and one would be the slow monkey. So yeah. that, those two levers would be like, okay, well, I want to have a really big monkey that's really slow. So then you have like two levers. Um, and basically, those levers are essentially like the variables, and okay. um, and this is what I was talking about. So the the programmer, I mean, and this 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 is all complete bullshit because this is not <laughs> these aren't real variables that you could actually work work with. But um, uh, uh, basically, getting the mm -hmm. idea of like, okay, well, we want to have a uh, monkey fighting game, and these are the kind of characters I want to have. And translating that into individual like features that because the programmer needs to program like these levers, because that's the only thing they can really do. Like you know, like computers aren't going to take like a uh, like a abstract idea of like and give you give you a return. So like yeah. you need to you need to feed it like okay like this is the variable that I want. Yeah. So I I guess that's kind of what I'm saying like the the, the transition between like. Yeah, it's the transition between that like high level spec, right? Like yeah. we're gonna have, you know, banana whiplash, right? Combines big strong monkey and his local co-op game, right? Small fast monkey to throw bananas out like pistols and then you can boomerang bananas, right? Like that's like this high level weird co-op platformer game, right? But then like the second level of that is going to be more of like the feature spec. And the third level is that technical spec, right? It's like, okay, these are the variables that are going to define it. Are we going to have players care, like customize their own monkey? So like big and strong monkey could actually be between like six and 10, right? And the player actually determines like which height. Um, and I think it's really interesting to go into that process because I do think that that type of level of like documentation and design, I say design, but I do mean like feature creation right it's not just a designer that would be writing it an animator could be writing it as well right or, or an engineer like you'd said because i think yeah. it's the same between indie and AAA. like all kind of like ideas right start out like that but i think what's really hard for people to understand or at least it was for me getting into the industry especially when you get to that economy of scale was how do you pitch those when you pitch those ideas to like your friends right 
-hmm. like banana whiplash is going to be you know this top local co-op amazing game of the year right 2022 it's going to be great (laughs) right like that's your friends you're like yeah this is going to be awesome but then when you try to pitch it to like you know top dog like ubisoft officials right like Banana Whiplash has a very different presentation structure. And I feel that a lot of people that are in charge of those are producers. So you could talk, could you talk a little bit about how not only is it right going down from production step step to that technical mm-hmm. level, could you also kind of talk about how that it, how is it once you've gotten those variables, right? How do you communicate that back up? Okay. So that's kind of more on the like in the indie that's called business development and you mm. know. And in AAA, I don't. They don't really call it anything. They just call it pitching, I guess. Yeah, but, in AAA, uh, it's just like this is a thing that sometimes you do. Have fun. <laughs> um, Good luck. Have yeah, you done it before? and no? the, fine. Yeah, and the producer or you know, like the management of the team has to basically put together a PowerPoint presentation saying, like, okay, well, we want to do this game, and um, and all of that ge- generally tends to be more kind of market based things. So basically, you say things like, okay, well, this is the this. Is is the setting of the game this is the, what the game is going to look like um these are these are the uh either what they call unique selling points or differentiators depending on who you ask so basically saying like okay these are the points that make this game different than other games on the market that are similar to it um and then you say like okay well other games that are similar to this game also uh sell you know x million units um and uh, the demographic looks like this, or player player profiles look like this. These are people who like you know chaotic co-op games that are kind of fun, uh, fun and kooky, and uh, you know fast paced. Right. So, the, sorry, then I guess the question I have is then when you're pitch it when you're pitching or when you sort of yeah. as Lauren said like speaking up like how much of that sort of like granular detail about sort of like features and sort of like as you said individual variables gets communicated or does that stuff tend to get sort of shunted nope. to one side nobody cares yeah <laughs> that's what i thought that, yeah. that, that they, they see that as a you problem basically they say like how many like so that gets translated into like how much money do you need and how much time do you need? Um, and in internally, usually it's more like because AAA AAA development generally doesn't talk in dollars; they talk in um, you know staff hours or staff staff years, staff months. So basically, say that you need like you need a team of five hundred people two years to uh, to make this game. Whereas in indie, it's like I need you know you know one point five million dollars or ten million dollars to do this, and my ten million dollars looks like you know, 10 people for two years or whatever, like. Yeah, no, I definitely can see that with like, when I look at a couple of the new studios that have been opening up, a couple, like a couple of my friends have joined just because in California, like, you know, investments are here, right? And game devs are here. And kind of in the great resignation of people leaving their old jobs and going into these new jobs, they are getting like funding in the terms of like, you know, 1 million, 10 million, right? For staffing up very large teams. And I am curious, what is your, like, kind of what is your opinion on, do you have a smaller team that makes more and you have more of that money because you've been seeded from that investment, like that AAA team? And I, I hate saying it like that, right? But Well, AAA you know, like, is super gross. Like, you know, I was talking to somebody about this. Like, the fact that we've, as an industry, have adopted AAA, like, AAA is a bond term. Like, the reason, like, you know, people 
say the word triple A's because like, so like there's different kinds of debt that you can get in, in the world yeah. outside of video games. So like, and depending on how like, you know, how likely that you will pay back that debt, you have different debt rating. Triple A is the best kind of debt rating you can have. Uh, by the way, the US is pretty bad. I think they're at double B now. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, double B. <laughs> double B studio. So, yeah, yeah, well, we also have the world reserve currency, so yeah. screw you guys. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so yeah, like AAA means that it's a secure, yeah. and that's where like the whole AAA video games came from. Like, we're going to spend a lot of money, but this is a secure investment. It's most likely going to make money. Yeah, um, so that's, and that's exactly kind of what I'm trying to touch on here, is that if you are an independent developer, but people are giving you that AAA money because they feel like you're a secure investment, how can you put the bond rating to like an actual individual? You can't. Like it's it's extremely speculative. Like it's um, VCs are so the the idea of like venture capitalists basically will fund twenty games and hopefully one of them makes yeah. enough money. And I guess to I do have to apologize. I know you're in product management and not necessarily business development. I, I do I, business development. Okay, in our I feel well, like there's so. yeah. I always feel like there's that overlap sometimes when yeah. you're on a smaller team that when you're in production you're also in biz dev. Yeah. And I'm 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 generally more interested in economics and business in general in life. So like that it's this is not how many grapes are in your two pound grape bag? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was um, uh, so, no, that's, that's yeah. awesome. Would so yeah, it's so no, the, so what's happening now, basically there's like a flood of money going into video games. So like macroeconomically, there's too much money right now. Like investors have too much money. They don't know what to yeah. do with it because like the, the pandemic kind of resulted in like everybody thought everyone's going to lose every, uh, all this money because of the pandemic. But in reality, like uh, stock prices shot up. So now people have all this money to like do something with, but because stocks have become very expensive because so they're, they're less good as an investment. So everybody has all this cash that they want to do something with, but they don't want to put it in existing stock because it's too expensive. So there's like ton of money that's going into speculation everywhere. Um, one of the things that's happening is also in video games, video games continue to make a lot of money over, uh, over the, over the pandemic. So, Everyone's very excited to put more money into it. Uh, and so what's happened is that like all these venture capital and and existing studios like, you know, Tencent or the Embracer Group is basically funding smaller studios to kind of pop up. And what's happening is like so in that kind of investment, like the investment is not based on project. It's based on people. So they say like, OK, you are a creative director of, you know, whatever, Far Cry, Assassin's Creed, or whatever. And you're, you have a team of 10 people that you can bring from your, you know, your years of experience that everybody has like 10 years more experience. And then now we're going to give you, you know, let's say $1.2 million plus uh, per person uh, because like that's how we evaluate how much like your studio is worth. Um, and in exchange for, you know, whatever, 30% of uh, the equity in your new studio. Oh, that's so they actually are kind of valuing it by and like, I don't want to be like individual contribution, but like in an individual level. Yeah, it's and it's like, it's like headcount. They don't even care who because <laughs> the thing is like, well, it's impossible to value it anyway. That's the yeah. thing. Like how much uh, a, a single game developer is worth is 
uh, arbitrary because yeah, the but, thing is, well, like, you. Yeah, but for Hideo Kojima, like, is he? Uh, he's different. Like that. That's, yeah, that's there a we go. Case. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's why a lot of times uh, these like new indie studios have like a figurehead that's clearly more famous than everybody else, because yeah. the the investment is centered around that person. So that person is basically like the linchpin right. of this investment. Uh, anybody, anybody even getting this investment, but. The, to determine how much money like they get as a whole is based on like okay well how many people can you recruit how many people can you bring you know that's not like students well and there and there is value to a name beyond just like you know celebrity which is that like you know working for someone who has established status within the industry is also then valuable for those individuals and so there will be a certain like degree of like competitiveness amongst them and so you can recruit based solely on that i mean and, and it also well, most of the time i've seen is like basically they they uh there are people who worked with them that want to work with them more okay that makes that's sense. that seems to be more of uh the the factor they believe that like this is a leader that i can follow because that's kind of one of the biggest problems in AAA. like when you're trying to look for a job like you're generally not not necessarily looking for projects you're looking for people you want to follow like that's generally the case. So I would say that's generally the case, maybe more now or more recently, or for people that have been in the industry for a while. Yeah. Because this is actually touching on a topic that I think would be really great to wrap this up because we're talking on something that's very human and that's trust. For sure. That's a leader I want to follow, right? For me, I had no idea who my studio head was when I was approached by them and I did not realize that they were famous, at least in the world that they came from, which was Call of Duty. Like, I did not know who they were. I quite literally was like, okay, you're a Bay Area startup man, sure. And then after I looked them up, I was like, wow, you've given, like, real interviews and you have, like, memes after you. Okay, you're like a – I mean, you're a real human, but, like, you're actually quite a, a trustworthy individual, right? Like, yeah. they built their trust even with, like, the like with their reputation, right? Like, it preceded them – well, did not precede them – It followed them but whatever <laughs> and then the bad word choice but you, you kind of see my point right yeah. is that now i am working for someone who other people were like oh i've worked with them and i want to work with them but the internet and right the recommendations of people that had worked with this individual established that trust so i started what right so that i joined this new studio right and even though it's actually been relatively like strong hiring during covid like we I think 60% of our people at our company have been hired during COVID in a completely remote way, um, which is just crazy because they started as a, right, all inside a studio. They used to be like in these law offices that they like had to rent for like the first six months or nine months or something and then moved out to a big building and then COVID hit, right? So like the office mm -hmm. is basically blank. And so I'm really curious, like when you have someone who's coming from AAA starting a new venture getting that funding, that's one way of like kind of they already have established trust. But what can we do or what have you seen when you don't have that established trust? Maybe you're just starting out or, you know, your career, you're just starting out. So you have no right, say, career experience. Or you could say you have five years of career experience, right? And now you're joining a smaller team or you're trying to start your other thing. Like how do you or how have you seen people build that trust? Um, well, what happens? So, so there's two kinds of indie game, uh, indie studios, like indie studios that like we're talking about, like right now with like, you know, uh, cash injections and basically they're not 
traditional indie studios per se. Like we're talking about basically they're just yeah. smaller, you know, smaller triple A I mean, corporate studios, I mean, if yeah. you want to call it like that. But Main, like mainstream maybe main, mainstream studios. I mean, because because well, I I I don't know mainstream. Is I want to use the word mainstream precisely because like you are so like the the market that say like a Hades is going for is the same market. It, like they're working within the same marketplace. So like the and the reason why I use that is yeah, because but we're we're working on the same marketplace. Like if you look at a like a breakthrough hit in a in an indie context, if you look at Among Us or if you look at yeah. like Hollow Knight, like these are very indie teams. Like, yeah. you know, but in the end, it becomes uh, like a, you know, mass market product because it's successful. Um, I think in my uh, indie generally is an aesthetic more than anything, um, because okay. like you, you get like, like, for example, uh, Ori in the uh, the Ori game series. Yeah. yeah. Ori in the Black that is, Forest. Yeah. That mm -hmm. that that studio is, quote unquote, indie. Uh, they have like hundred people that work for that studio yeah. and all of the money came from established investment. So like not in, in a, in a genuine sense, like it's not a real independent bootstrap studio. Yeah. Right. Um, same with like, uh, you know, like uh, shoot, what was the name of the company um, that did uh, fall guys? People talked about fall guys being like a indie game. It's like, no, like th this is, this is a giant studio with like, tons of people working on this studio like yeah. it's just that it's not call of duty anything essentially anything that isn't like <laughs> you know like activision ubisoft or ea is considered indie um and it i mean from a like a financial standpoint it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense um but i'm, I'm getting sidetracked uh so no i i let's... actually really liked all of that so that was a let's... right on track Moving so back on let's track. <laughs> go, going back to like quote unquote indie studios. So you have studios that basically get like giant investment from established video game uh, investors, either VC or uh, publishers that are interested in popping up new studios, etc. And they invest in uh, people who have a lot of experience in video games and they basically can recruit a bunch of people who all get salaries from day one. So that's that's one kind of indie studio. Another kind of indie studio is basically like five friends decide that they want to make a video game together and they have no money and they kind of just like, you know, figure it out. They either have day jobs or they, you know, like they saved up some money to make a prototype that they're going to then pitch to a publisher or maybe they just like go and just self publish and they just kind of figure it out and they get the game out. So that's that's the other type. Um, basically, unless you're famous and you have a bunch of people working uh, that want to work with you, like option A is not available to you. Like unless you're, uh, you know, like even if you have a lot of experience, like I've worked in the industry for 15 years, nobody would invest in me. Like if I tomorrow, if like cut to bits was not a thing and I'm like, OK, I get five of my friends who all worked in video games for 15 years plus. And we're, we go to investors and be like, yeah, we want to get some money. And they would be like, who are you guys again? Like, they won't yeah. care. Like, we're not we're not famous uh, and we're not directors. So basically what you need is someone who is um, a high-level programmer, high-level designer, high-level artist that has some level of recognition within the industry. So, you know, maybe you're a game director on, you know, on uh, whatever IDOS game that came out 
uh, last year, or you are a. I like how it was a struggle <laughs> to be like that Eidos game that came out last year. I don't know if there was an Eidos game. I I, I was game. just I I, I I was I will... just I'm trying not to name people I actually know. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I'm like I I my direct uh, impulse is like yes I know this person that I that's trying to like. Yeah, yeah. No, I studio. understand. I don't want to mention it. Uh, but uh, uh, or like you know, you're a lead programmer on a large AAA project, and you have a team of people that are interested in making your game. Um, so if you're one of these people, then you know VCs and like publishers will be coming to you and saying like, we would like to offer you some money because we think that your investment is interesting. Pretty much anybody else in the world doesn't get have that equivalent. So. At that point, they either get investment because, you know, like maybe your family's rich or, you know, you I met... really like maybe your family's rich. Man, whew, I'll take that. So, uh, or you met like an industrialist at a bar and it's like, yeah, I'll give you $1.2 million, whatever. It's not a big deal. Um, look at all my architecture and retail advancements. Uh, so, like, basically, those are the kind of people that get investment. Everybody else basically needs to have something they're selling. And generally, what they're selling is a demo. So, they kind of have to like bootstrap at least the demo. So, like, they kind of have to do like six months of work. Without, that's not getting paid by anybody external. So either, you know, savings or uh, whatever, like you're paying for it by working some other job. And hopefully you sell that idea to a publisher and then they'll give you the rest of the money to make the game. Like that's how you have to do it. And if you're a student, then yeah, that's the only game. That's the only thing that's available to you. If you're a, you know, if you're a dev that has five years of experience and doesn't have any like kind of visibility then again that's what you have to do so with that i that's actually a really great place to wrap up i want to thank Maso for coming on and well definitely schooling me probably not schooling lauren <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is so no, much thank you so much schooling, I'm sorry. Schooling, I, schooling we didn't get world. to talk about what i wanted to talk about <laughs> well if you want to oh, stick no. if you want to yeah. stick around and we you, no we, no okay. uh well actually i can stick around for a little bit longer i think because well, I don't hear anybody upstairs, so I don't think anybody's come home. Because we're about to record a Patreon episode, so if you okay. want to stick around and like, you know, just like at the top, you'd be like, "Okay, bitches, like, I want to finally get this." I out. do want to talk about intentionality and <laughs> okay. process, intentionality versus process, and how everybody seems to think that like, you know, game developers have an idea for a video game and they make that game, and it's it's not it's it doesn't like the world does not work like that. <laughs> Yeah, well, we can definitely record a record a second one. So, Nicholas, go ahead and you can stop this recording. And yeah, actually, I'm just going to let it trail. I'm just going to oh, stop okay. it. Well, actually, no, you, sh you should put in a bit where you promo whatever you want to promo. So go ahead, promo stuff. Me? Yes, you. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> so follow me on Twitter. Uh, I am Mega Masao, M-E-G-A-M-A-S-A-O. Uh, and uh, I also have a podcast called What Else Do You Do? where I interview game devs about what they do when they're not making video games. Uh, Lauren's supposed to be on there at some point. Well, yeah, we'll, I will be we'll on there at out. some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, our studio is cut to bits, and eventually we're going to, like, announce and, uh, like, our game's super awesome. So, uh, yeah, please keep your eye out for that.